Coaches, what's up? We got the Coaches Drive podcast coming back. Chad's laughing at me. Chad, what happened? Did I sound weird just then? That sounded super weird. Go ahead. Keep doing your thing. <laughs> I don't know how to intro a podcast, to be honest with you. I just kind of, it's weird because I'm saying what's up. No one's going to say what's up back to me, but it's kind of odd to do it because you do want to welcome everyone, but they're not really having a conversation with you. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole thing. Like, why are, like, we're sitting here talking and people later are going to listen to us talk. Like, which we talked about this before. Like, we don't even know how technology works in general anyway. Like, how yep. does, like, how does a disc have things that pop up on my TV? That is so weird. Like, it's just a, it's a circle thing. Yeah. It's flat. And it makes people walking around on my TV. Bill Gates is smart. Yeah, he is. He's really smart. You think Bill Gates would be a good football coach? Would you hire him on your staff? Yeah, of course I'd hire him. Get the <laughs> donations. Um, he would be better. He'd be like a good like soccer, like a sport that doesn't require toughness. Like he'd be a good coach for. I was gonna say basketball, but I guess sometimes you gotta be tough at basketball. Like it, I don't know, soccer or something. Like yeah. he'd be good at just something you gotta think about. That doesn't yeah. actually have toughness. He never gained by it be tough because he's yeah. from he's a hippie from Washington or wherever he is. I hope Bill Gates listens to this podcast. Yeah, he'd sure be a good does. coach. He wouldn't be as good as Jamie Chadwell, though, who we got the chance to talk to at Coastal Carolina this past week. Coach Chadwell was actually my college coach, and uh, that was at North Greenville University. He's all the way now at a Division One school at Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt. Chad, did you enjoy the conversation with him? I did. He's a Division One head football coach. That's a pretty big deal. So was Petrino, but I don't want to talk to him anytime soon. Uh, you don't want Petrino on the podcast? I, I would 1 million percent want Petrino on the podcast. I would, but I would confront him and say, I don't think you're a good person. <laughs> I mean, he has won football games and he has the best stories. His culture advice would be the worst <laughs> thing ever. He'd be like, go get drunk with the students, but don't tell anybody. Petrino, if you listen to this, we welcome you to come on to the podcast at any point. Um, yeah, so Coach Chadwell was great. He talked a lot about the things. Everything he talked about is, is truth. I know because I played for him. Uh, he's a great coach. Give you a little background on him. He started off as an assistant at Charleston Southern. He then went to North Greenville. We went to the Division II quarterfinals. North Greenville had never been a good football program before he got there. We went to the Division II quarterfinals. He went to Delta State for one season after that, Charleston Southern. Now he's at Coastal. He was a two-time FCS National Coach of the Year finalist, and he's been a three-time Big South Football Coach of the Year. So successful man. He's done a lot. He's accomplished a lot at different places. So hopefully we can learn a lot from him. We want to welcome Coach Chadwell onto the show right here. All right, Coach Chadwell, appreciate you coming on with us, man. I'm excited about it, John. It's good seeing you again. Most people don't know he played for me for a couple of years, two years, I think. Yes, sir. 10 and 11 at North Greenville. There. Yes, sir. Excited to sit down with you. It's cool for me because I have an inside perspective because I'm now a coach. I played for you as well. And I wanted to start with this. Uh, one of the things when I look back at North Greenville that I remember, we would start practice a lot of times with one-on-ones between graduate assistants. Why did you do that? What was one of the things? Because looking back on that, you know, as a coach, I, we haven't done that in high school yet, but. I remembered it, and I kind of thought it was funny, and it was fun and kind of a fun thing to start practice off with. What was your thinking behind that? I think a couple things. One, football's a grind, you know, and it, but and you forget sometimes that it needs to be fun because it's a long time, you know, to practice, practice, practice. And so sometimes kids aren't as motivated as they need to be. Right. They come out of practice, and you want to do something to get them going. And 
one of the things was, hey, let's throw some coaches against each other and see what happens. Right. And then two, I wanted to see if any of the coaches would get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to see what they would do. So, you know, one, it was all cheer motive for myself, but also just trying to find different ways to try to allow your kids to, one, to see us have fun. I think that's important. If yeah. you want guys to have fun, you got to show it. But also, too, just to do something lighthearted with the coaches and right. some of those things. And and we've done it here. We had somebody pull a hamstring and this or that. So <laughs> sometimes you got to cut back a little bit, but uh, it's still pretty fun. Well, it's better when a coach pulls a hamstring than a player. So. Oh, true. Very yeah. true. Every it's time. I thought that was funny. I always remembered it. One of the funniest things was that the coaches would get so mad, like if they lost the one-on-one. And they'd, they'd, they'd sound just like the players because they'd complain, hey, pushed off. But um, <laughs> that was fun stuff. Moving on to something important for most coaches. You went to North Greenville. And when you got to North Greenville, I know it was not in good shape. It was not in the shape it needed to be in. And you, your first season there, you had to change a lot of things. You went to Charleston Southern. You had the same type of situation where you had to build a new type of culture. Mm-hmm. What would you say were some of the key components in changing those cultures from losing to winning cultures? What did you do to do that? I think uh, first and foremost is it's you got to change the mindset because obviously I don't think it's I don't think you're you're at a place you're losing is because you you, you don't have this or that. I don't, I don't think it matters what what your facilities look like. Yeah, they're important, right? But it's really the mindset of the people there, and so you have to take young people that maybe have been told they're not good enough or they feel like they're not good enough because they're not going to win them. And you got to get them to focus on things they can control and get them to believe in that process. And so we were able to bring some better players in, but a lot of those players we won with were the same ones that were there that were two and whatever. Uh, and so it's all about the mindset change. So the big, big thing that I'm, I'm a huge believer in is belief. And that's one of the things that we're doing here now is it's about believing, believe in yourself, believe in your teammates, believe in the coaches. And then I think, too, once you get them believing in each other, then there has to be an accountability to the standard that you want to have. And everybody is held to that standard, the standard of, you know, the discipline, whatever it may be. Um, but there's an accountability, the way you're supposed to practice, the way you're supposed to live. And so if they understand that if they'll, if, if they'll believe in each other and then they know they're going to be held accountable, then I think the rest of it can sort of fall into itself. It doesn't matter what your system is. It's about believing and it's about keeping up people accountable to that belief and that standard that you set. It's funny you say that because when I was thinking about my time at North Greenville with you, two of the things I was going to talk about right here are belief and accountability because I can remember you had such a high standard for your accountability and you also made us believe. Every time we played a game, you made us believe we could win even if we, we shouldn't have won, even if the team was better than we were. And in turn, because of that, we did beat some teams that we probably shouldn't have beat. I mean, we beat – PC and their D1 school, we were Little North Greenville coming off a two and eight season. So you did a great job of that. So what did you do? How do you feel like you make people believe? How do you change that mindset? And even I remember the day before the game, you would bring us in and you'd have like a little highlight video where you would show clips of our team having success against that team in the past. Like, what do you think is important to instill that belief in your players and change that mindset? Well, I think part of it, the belief has to be in the work that you're putting in. And so knowing that what you're doing is going for a purpose. So if you get them to believe in that, one, they're talented enough. And I think that's more so just showing them, putting them in a position to say, hey, your, your talent's good enough. You wouldn't be here whether it's not. And then how to use that. So believing in that talent they have. But also, I think the most important part of the belief is getting them to buy into each other. Knowing that Jonathan White has to give his very best for us to have a chance to be successful. And if you're giving your best and then, the Falmbano's got to give his best, and then Carl Dukes has got to give his best. And then once they're all doing that together, then they realize, man, we're in this together. So I, 
I've got to do it for him. Now it stops right. being about myself and it starts being about doing it for your love for your team. And that's where that accountability piece comes in is now you're accountable, obviously, to that standard of, of doing right, but it's because you don't want to let your brother down. Mm-hmm. And when you get that point and you got teammates believing in that, believing in each other so strong, that's when they start thinking, man, we can we can beat anybody we want. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they got more scholarships, which was the case, or they got better facilities or, or better uniform, whatever it may be. We're so strong with the bond, our beliefs so strong. I mean, you won't go, you're going to go undefeated, but it means you're never going to be defeated by yourself. Yeah. You're never going to be defeated here. You might get defeated physically every once in a while, but you're so strong with each other. And I, that, I think that's the thing, Jonathan, I'd say that, that I'm most proud of is to this day, I guarantee you those guys, if you got together, they would talk about how y'all played for each other more than anything. And that's what you would remember. And so I'm a big believer in that is understanding that you are accountable to that guy beside you for believing in yourself and believing in your team and doing everything possible to give us the chance. I know every game, it didn't matter who we were playing, you would always make us believe. So I do have a question for you. Charleston Southern, 2015, you're playing Alabama. Did you tell the team before the game, guys, we're going to beat them? <laughs> Here's what I said. I said, hey, guys, listen. I said, uh, I said hopefully we're going to score first and we're going to stop the game and take a picture and show that we were up on Alabama. <laughs> I said, because that don't happen. That don't happen. It's probably going to be a long day. Here's what I told them. I said, I said, listen, I'm going to be realistic with you guys. I said, we could play our very best. They could play their absolute worst. And they're, they're probably going to beat us anyway. I said, but for one moment, one opportunity, all of you, when you when you were young children, you dreamed about playing football, you dreamed about playing at the highest level. And it was probably Alabama. Now it's probably a Clemson. But at that time, they were the best. And I said, you get the opportunity for one day to be on the field with them. And, it, and your best might not be good enough, but you get the opportunity to give your best. Let's give it. And we'll see what happens. I said, crazy things happen. And then they were up like 30-something to three. So it didn't <laughs> but, uh, for, hey, for that one moment at kickoff, we were fired You're up. You're tied. You're yeah, tied. And so uh, but we never got to stop the clock and take the picture. So. <laughs> Coach, I wanted to ask you right now, you claim Jonathan as a player of yours. After I tell you that last night I was talking to him and he wanted to stop talking about football so he could get back to watching The Bachelor, you might not want to claim him anymore. You know, John, Jonathan. Jonathan always had de- a, a lot of different interests. We always questioned. <laughs> we always questioned his heart for football. To be honest with you, yeah. so, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not surprised it's the bachelor. I think during during that time frame, there there was a lot of things he was doing <laughs> that we questioned how like how tough he was. To be honest, and so, uh, but uh, I'm, he could probably tell you every season of the bachelor who won it. Oh yeah. And and truth be told, if the truth's out there, before he met his lovely wife, he tried to get on there, but they they turned him down. <laughs> so let, let everybody out there in South Carolina High School know that well, he was too is, ugly. Truth is, I started watching The Bachelor the fall of my freshman year at North Greenville. I think that I think it was so much manlyhood was being instilled into me. I had to do something to get in touch with my feminine side. But Coach Dowell also knows my first calling really was a rapper because I was a. When I, my time at North Greenville, I was I did a lot of rapping, and he witnessed some of that. And he saw how good I was. It was so. <laughs> yeah, I've got different interests. You can it call me a Renaissance man. We had two groups, and they would they would they would have uh, rap offs on Fridays before our team meeting, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was pretty good. Grind hard. Mine was grind hard one hundred one. Grind hard. Grind hard one. Willie Corn was on the other side of yeah, it. Yeah, he's Willie. coaching at Coastal now, so yeah. he's got a. He had some some different interests as well. And nobody's probably interested in that, but that'll be another podcast for later on. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you specifically to Coastal. There's a year there, if I'm correct, where you were sort of the interim head coach 
how was that for you? Was that kind of weird for you? Or was it just, I'm just going to treat this like it is my job, my program, or was you still in contact with Coach um, Moglia? Or how did that kind of work during that time? Well, well, it was 2017, season 2017. Actually, my first year here, I got here in the spring of 2017, and then a day, a couple days before, basically everybody was reporting. He said, hey, listen, I'm stepping down medical, medical leave, medical sabbatical. You're taking over. And so he said, hey, you're in charge. Try to follow the principles and, and the philosophies that we have, but you make decisions. And so I did that. You know, I, I tried to obviously follow his principles, but I really wanted to stand on the values that are important to me. And, and I, would, I would explain it. It's like if you've been in high school and a substitute teacher came in, you know the real, yeah. you know the real teacher's coming back. Oh, yeah. There's going to there's be some kids that are respectful regardless because that's who they are. And there's going to be some that you're the substitute and it didn't matter. Right. And so it was a it was a very tough year, probably the toughest year personally that I've had as a coach, just because it's a transition. We've transitioned to FBS as far as the program. I came from a rival school at Charleston Southern when they're FCS. So and then I was only on offense for five months. The defensive players didn't know me as well. You're trying to do all that and in about three weeks play a game. And so it was a challenge. And so but I did. I, I tried to. Because I, I'm a big believer, you can't be somebody else. I can't right. be I can't be Nick Saban. I can't be Dabo. Dabo Smith. They're all awesome, but you got to be who you are and believe in, in the running things the way you believe it works. I think there's a lot of ways people win and win programs, but but there's values and principles that you want to stand by. And I tried to do that, and, and I, I do think that uh, we laid a good foundation there to to continue what you know Coach Mobley had going on and. And now that foundation hopefully will continue now in the spot that I'm in right now. That leads us to my next question, too, is I know that his sort of story of his career is really unbelievable for him to he was a coach and then ended up being the CEO of Ameritrade. I think I mean, that's I mean, we're talking about this guy was working on Wall Street. I mean, nah, this guy was the CEO of Ameritrade. Like, what did you learn? Because I, I know me and John talk a lot. We like trying to, I don't know, look at football from different perspectives and things. Were there some things that you maybe learned from him that he brought from? I know he's a coach, you know, before, but then through that long time as being a super successful businessman, were there things that he learned that you learned from him that maybe outside of football that he brought a different perspective to the program? You know, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the one of the quotes or things that he shares, he he said that there's no doubt when he was a football coach, it helped him in the business world. And there's no doubt what he learned through the business that when he came back to football helped him. And, and so I, I think the, uh, the not, difference is not the right word, but the way he saw the game, his perspective from seeing it is different than typical of most people. Yeah, he's detailed like everybody. He wants to be detailed. He wants the fundamentals. But things that, that he observed and things that you can do better to be more efficient. You know, in the business world, the more efficient you are, the more money you make. Right. Well, in, in sports and football, the more efficient you can be with practice, the more continuity, all those different things, the more success you can have. And so his way was trying to figure out or trying to figure out he did it is how can we be efficient? How can we prioritize what's important to us? He was really big on analyzing, prioritizing and fixing your mistakes. And, and you might have two or three mistakes. Well, what's the one that you're having the most trouble with? We, we focused on that so much because once we got that fixed, that was 75% of our problem. Instead of most people trying to, hey, we got this, got this, got this, let's fix it all. No, fix this one first. And once that one's done, now you've eliminated this percentage. Now you've gotten better and you just keep compounding on it. And so just learning the way, you know, the way he saw it, the way he thought, 
you know, and I, most of us are, are typical. You learn it from other football coaches. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, and then you study and read and just seeing those things and the way the way he does some of the different things as far as communication and the way he did it in the business world. But every, he'll tell you the way he ran his business, TD Ameritrade, the, the exact principles philosophy, which is BAM, uh, the BAM man print, is the same exact way he ran it here. And so, obviously, it's different because you're dealing with you're dealing with 18 to 21 year olds. But but that that efficiency, that communication, and just the way to analyze and, and really prioritize what you need as a as a team to be better are some things that I'll definitely continue to carry with us. That's really cool. It is interesting to see that perspective from the business world. No stock tips, though. No stock. Yeah, tips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man, you, he he should be helping you out with that. He can make that, everybody a whole lot of money. Pod, that's another podcast, and that one actually be paid for. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, coach. A lot of guys right now. It's a summer. Season's coming quick. You got guys who've taken over new programs. What would you say are some of the warning signs? What are some things they need to be looking for to identify if their culture is unhealthy? couple things one i always think it's important are your guys doing extra things that you're not telling them so what we ask them to do in the weight room what we ask that's i mean let's be honest that's that's the bare minimum right this is what we need to do to have a chance are guys going above beyond and so i think if you see extra guys out getting work and doing things that you sort of you've encouraged them to do i think that tells you your culture is healthy because they're buying in and they know they need to do above and beyond to be better i think two are you getting rid of your clicks? We all there's all clicks in football programs. You'll have, and, and we sort of create them on our own. You know, your O line hangs out with your O line, your D lines with your D line. So we we work hard on trying to make sure that guys are associated with uh, different people on the team that are learning that. And I think if you see guys hanging out with other positions, I think that's a good sign that there's some healthy stuff, uh, because then you know they're they're starting to believe in each other and starting to realize that what we talked about earlier that you need each other to be successful. And I think for us, the most important is you have to create adversity because it's going to happen during the season. And so if you've created it, however you do it in the summer, extra running, extra conditioning, whatever it may be, you know, uh, we'll, we'll do conditioning and then we'll have an overtime period. How are they responding to adversity? Is it they're upset, they're complaining, you hear them talking, hear them murmur? And you know your culture is not exactly where it needs to be yet because then they've not bought into the mindset that you want. Because the mindset is, you'll remember, is it doesn't matter. We'll keep going. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. And the, some of the things we use here, it doesn't matter. Get better. We're just going to keep going. And so I think those are things you can notice. When you push them above over that edge that they think they can't go, how do they respond to it? And that's what summer's for. you got to see what your team is made of, and you got to push them to an edge that they think, this is their final where they can't cross that line. And then you got to push them over that line and see how they respond to that. And if you're not getting the responses that you want consistently enough, then I think that tells you you still have issue with people being completely sold out to what you're doing. I remember vividly there was one morning mat drill we had the year before we went to the quarterfinals. No. And we were we, – we said they said we had eight more – I think they were called maybe Sweet 16s or like a couple more Sweet 16s. And they were counting them down. Almost done. Last one. After the last one, it was, we got five more. And what the guys did, we all started cheering and jumping up and down. And we acted excited about it and, like, let's do it. And we actually, you called us up and said, bring it up. And everybody erupted. And I think that that's something that you can look at and say, that culture was so healthy with those guys because the leaders 
and those guys that were supporting those leaders, those guys that were younger, we all were together in it. And when you see those leaders on your team saying, let's go do this, I think that's what brings a lot of your other people along with them. And it encourages them to do the same thing. So I think that leadership is really going to be crucial in creating a healthy culture and making sure that those guys respond well to adversity. But I can remember you doing those things at North Greenville. And the big thing about leadership, we had we had a speaker come speak to our team the other day, and he, he said, which was just right spot on, he said, everybody on your team has a role in leadership. He said, he said, you know, you think because you're a senior or you play a certain position that, you know, those guys are leaders, which they can be, which they are. He said, but if you have your standard and you're trying to hold everybody accountable to that standard, if a freshman or a sophomore sees a senior not living up to that standard, then it's your job. You know, you're a freshman or sophomore. Your role as a leader is to make sure everybody's living up their standard. And he said, so the freshmen and sophomores, the young guys have to have enough courage to be able to know that's not the standard we want. But he said also the seniors have to be willing to know if they're not living up to it, they got to be, be able to take it from somebody else. And so that's one of the things that we've talked a lot about is everybody has a role in leadership. It's not just a hierarchy. And, and there's certain things about, you know, seniors and different things that have earned things. But he said, when you're holding to that accountability, that standard, everybody has to be about it, which is, which is spot on. Coach, too, accountability. I wanted to ask you, you had a system with us at North Greenville. I remember we had breakfast checks. We had, you know, you couldn't be late to anything, obviously. What was your method for accountability? I believe it was like if the first time something happens, the second time another thing happens, and then the third time you were. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, you, you obviously have to have a discipline plan, an accountability plan, basically knowing, all right, this is the standard. If you drop below it, you know, what are the repercussions? Because for every action you have, there's a consequence, good or bad. And so we want to make sure that the consequence is not something that's just trying to, you know, kill you, but also knowing, hey, this is not a behavior. Because it's about your behaviors. When you have an accountability plan, it's about behaviors. You're trying to change behaviors to where your behavior is consistent every day and it becomes a habit. And once you have a habit, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And so, but a lot of kids, when they get to college, you know, they, everything they see on social media is, hey, I get to sleep in. It's a party 24-7. I can do these different things. And, and realistically, you don't have a lot of choices if you want to be great. You don't. And so for us, you know, if it was if you missed something, then, you you know, you had a punishment. If it was twice, then it was a a punishment plus something. Once it got to the third time, then it became your position group. So we tried to show you, hey, you're accountable to everybody with every decision you make. And so now your position group, because of something you did or didn't do, now they're getting punished. back. just like if you jump off sides, everybody moves back. So. That was part of it. And then once it got to another one, then it became the unit. So if it was the D-line, then position group, then it was the whole defense. They got all the defense saying, hey, what are we running for? Because you can't go to class or you won't show up on time or what it may be. So I tried to make it where it was, it was, there was onus on the player first. But once it got to, hey, he's not figuring it out, then I wanted to, to make sure that everybody knew, hey, you're you're roles to help him figure it out mm-hmm. and then i think that's what made the buying please knowing hey we're all accountable to each other again let's don't let him down but if somebody is i got to be one to help try to pick him up yeah and then once it gets to a certain point then the players started deciding hey coach he's not worth the mess yeah he didn't care about us and that's when you know you got to help the culture for us high school coaches who you know a lot of us have players who are getting recruited and things like that and i think that the the best thing about being a college coach i've never been one is that you do actually get to choose your players a little bit but what's something for you know if i've got a kid what's something that you say all right 
if if I ask a high school coach about this player and they answered in this way, we're just not going to touch him anymore. Do you have those certain like just absolute red flags? We're done with this kid, or is it anything like we can work with it? I mean, just what's your mindset about that? Well, for us, and, and I think it varies per coach and who they are and their values. But for us, you know, we're not going to do anything to mess with uh, a character and bring it into our program. And so we want to make sure that that somebody that we're bringing in, that you as the as the high school coach, the head coach, the principal, everybody else, they're going to say, "Hey, the kid works. He's respectful. He's going to give you all he's got." Those are things that we're asking. If it's somebody that has any, you know, questionable character issues, meaning they got a lot of tardy, they've been in in school suspension, they're doing some things as far as not following through on certain things. Those are red flags. I'm not saying they're completely. Hey, we're not taking them at all. Now we don't mess. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, we don't mess with any domestic violence. We don't mess with anything of that nature. But if you as a coach, we're going to ask you a question. I ask: If you were coming here to coach, would you bring him with you? And if you can't answer that as a yes completely, then why would I want to bring him? And so, and what happens is coaches, you guys get a lot of pressure because the way the way transferring is in all these different days. If if you're not producing college athletes, then well, I'm gonna go over here because my my guy can. This guy can, he's getting guys in college, and that puts you all in a, in a bad position. So you want you know you want you're trying to obviously be successful, but that's the question that we try to ask is hey, if you're leaving tomorrow and you're taking this job, is he the type of young man you want in your program? And so that's the main one we ask. We we try to find out is he top three and your hardest working. You know, is he like if, would you really say he works hard? We'll get some guys. Hey, you know he does what's required. We need more than that. You know, right. I mean. And so, and then, uh, and, but that's the challenge It's we have to trust the coaches. And unfortunately, sometimes the coaches don't shoot you straight, but the one, the good ones do, and they'll tell you straight up, Hey coach, this is the type of young man you want your program. He's going to do above and beyond. Or you'll say, Hey, listen, coach, if he doesn't get around the right people, he's a, he's a follower. He's not a leader. Those are things that we try to look for. But if, if you don't sign off on him a hundred percent, we won't take him even if he's a four, four and 280 pounds and five star. If you say, Coach, I wouldn't take him, we trust you. That's the the philosophy we use. Right. I mean, I think a high school coach, like, I mean, I'm always 100% honest because if if I have a kid who I send to you who isn't what I say he is, then when I actually do have somebody that would be somebody you want, well, then you're going to say, oh, well, the last one he told me about, you know, he wasn't everything he said. So I think as high school coaches, because of that, it's always important to be honest because you want to make sure that college coaches can trust you as they keep coming back because the same people are going to keep coming back. So it's important for high school coaches to do that, I think, for sure. That's one of the things I'd use to make my guys stay in check. If I have a guy who's a good player who starts thinking he's better than he is or he starts being cocky or he starts doing things he shouldn't do, I'll straight up tell him, when the coaches ask me about you, I'm going to tell them the truth. And if you want that to be something good, then you need to start acting like it. And if you want this to be something bad, let it be what it is right now because I'm not going to put my reputation with another coach on the line because of what you just said, Chad. I'm not going to let a good kid miss out because I had to kind of lie about a, a kid that's really not doing what he needs to do. So I think that's important for high school coaches. Don't lie to a college coach when they ask you about a player. That's their fault. If they're not handling themselves the way they should be handling themselves, that's their responsibility and they need to suffer the consequences for that. Because you don't want to send somebody to a school that's going to be a cancer in the college program just like they were in your high school program. And then your reputation's gone as well. Because we can, as a coach, I, I tell our guys recruiting, I said, I, 
I said, I can, I can live with it if you miss on some talent. I can't live with it if you miss on a guy's work ethic and his character. I said, because that completely shatters your locker room and what you're trying to do. And so if, if we're going to miss, I'd rather miss on a guy that he maybe is just not quite good enough. But man, he's the best kid. He works hard. You can find roles for people like that. It's the ones that got the ultra talent, but they, they think the talent's so good they don't have to work. And then you're sort of stuck with them, and, they're, and then they're, they're, they're upset. This didn't go this way. They don't know how to push through adversity, and then it's back to the culture piece. It's hard to get that corrected. What are some of the hottest places right now in the country recruiting? I know you all recruit pretty much year-round. What are some of the places right now that just have loads of talent? Because I know it fluctuates. There's, there's years where South Carolina has five of the top 20 players. Where are those areas right now that it's just really hot? And I'm sure some of them stay the same. Yeah, I mean, they do. I mean, I, you know, there's good players everywhere. But, I, I mean, for me, of course, I'm biased. I mean, I, I think, you know, in the South, you're going to find as good as you, you need. You know, the issue, though, is everybody comes down here to get them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem, you know. I mean, it, it, and in the state here, if you get a – you know, you got, you got everybody coming in because they're good players and everybody's coming in. So kids have a lot of options to go a lot of different places. And with social media – those places seem so much more real. They've seen them so much on social media. Now they can, they can go 10 hours away from home. That's not a big deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you look nationally, you know, your Florida's, your Georgia's, your, your Alabama's, your South Carolina's, your North Carolina, all those are producing high-level players. And then you go out towards the Midwest, Texas and, and California. They're everywhere. For us, personally, here, we're, we're trying to locate in, in this area, this region, where we feel like we have contacts, where we feel like we have a good understanding relation with coaches, and now we'll recruit everywhere. But as I mentioned, social media, we can we can we can have a kid from Texas because we can see him and a bunch of them. He can see us. But as far as where we're really concentrating, we're going to really concentrate on the on the you know here in the in the East Coast and in the South, and because it's a year-round thing constantly. Some some high schools don't even have spring ball. You know, some states. Yeah. You know, so which is a challenge for them because they don't get a chance to develop some of those. So I think it's important that you find the right fits for who you are, wherever they may be. And it's got to be the right fit. And for us, obviously, being where we're at, we feel like that region, that area, gives us the chance to get the best right kid. So yeah. if you're out there listening and you're Hawaii, I'll come visit you. <laughs> <laughs> Alaska, get ready. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many they got. I think you'd be all right in South Carolina <laughs> compared to them. What would you tell a um, – a high school coach who maybe their career goal at some point is to be a college coach. And I know, I think that you've hired some high school coaches to be college coaches. What are you looking for is I guess a two part. What are you looking for in high school coaches that want to be that? And two, just what kind of advice would you tell them to try to make that move? If that's something they were looking to do. Well, for me, uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm about the people and the person. So whether you're whether you're the JV coach, whether you're the head high school coach, whether you whatever your position is, I'm going to find who I want. I, I view everybody on, on our staff is if my son's here, do I want that coach impacting my son? Because I believe X's and O's, we can teach each other X's and O's. I mean, it, some guys are really gifted at it, which is awesome. Some guys maybe not that maybe it's not their gift, um, but if if they're good people, they generally care about others and especially young people and what football can do for young people. That's the type of people I want my program. And then we'll figure out what they can do and coach. But but I know when they're out there that they're genuine about what they're selling. 
and as far as, you know, my recommendation as far as doing that, you know, my father was a high school coach for 30, almost 30 years in Tennessee. That's all I dreamed about being. When I was in college, I'd go back and help in spring practice at my high school. That's what I wanted to do. And I sort of just fell into the college thing and it, you know, got me to this point. I'm sure I'll get fired soon. And so we'll figure it out. <laughs> but, but I think the best way, you know, it's networking, get to know through the recruiting, you get a chance to get to know as many people. But I, I encourage people try to work as many camps as you can and get around those guys because that's one way with the head coach not being able to go in the spring he's only able to go in the fall really and it's at a time where most people aren't practicing so how when is there opportunity for a head coach to really observe you if, if the head coach has been a head coach for a while if you've been an assistant maybe it's different become a head coach to observe how you are on the field how do you interact uh, again, you can talk on the board and, man, this guy knows X and O's, but it's really the communication and how you relate to young people. And right. so the more the more camps, that, in my opinion, the more camps that you can get around and work in places or for people that you feel strong about. You know, everybody wants to go back, not everybody, two more coaching college. Um, but, man, if you get with that wrong person in college, you'll be wishing you'd right back into the high school, you know, because – People make or break it. it. You could be at a place that has all kinds of money. You can be a place that don't have hardly anything. But if the right people are there, man, it can be like paradise, you know, or you can be in paradise. And if the people aren't right, man, you're miserable. And so I, I, to me, it's who do you want to be around and who fits your mentality, who fits the personality you have. And then I would try to be around them as much as I can in, in the situations where they can observe and say, you know what, they – you know, one day I want to be a you know a college coach, and, and that guy knows that, and, and he's seen you at a couple of camps, two, three, and then a you know a position, and he's and he's taught to you recruiting. He starts going, you know, that guy's got what it's about. It, it, for me, that's how I would handle it. Right. Uh, because when I go out, if I'm recruiting a person and I meet a coach, or I, I like coaching, I I see how he runs his program and and who he is. I take note of that because you know you're going to have positions, and I and I I take note. And that's how I've you know hired some of that because of of the interactions that I've had. And so I think that's very important. Um, but you got to, uh, from a high coach perspective, who do you want to be around? Who would you like to be influenced by? And, and again, everybody might say Dabo Swinney, obviously, but, you know, that, <laughs> which is awesome. But, you know, Dabo's probably got everybody lined up the door. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, but, he can hire whoever he wants. Yeah, so, but, but more so the opportunity you have to impact people where it can be. And, and, but you want to be make sure you're getting impacted by that coach as well. And you want to make sure that's the right one because it, it can it can definitely make your life miserable if you're not. So that would be my best my, my best recommendation. And um, you know, and but I, I look at it this way: if you make an impact where you're at, if you lay roots where you're at, it. And I, I this is my fourth head coaching job, so everybody laughs at me. But everywhere I go, I truly coach, put a program together, do like that's my last job I ever have. And I try. I tell our guys. I want you to lay roots. When you lay roots and you water those roots, they get strong. They start spreading. And now sometimes when you do it, people, you know, people say, man, I'd like to have that tree or whatever it may be somewhere else. And that happens. Nothing wrong with that. But if you don't lay roots there, if you don't invest there, kids figure it out. They get it. And so you're not ever going to be the best coach. You can be where you're at. And so if you'll lay those roots and not worry about where you, where you can go, where you can be, but just totally invest in the time there and water and water, is those seeds that you're planting there as much as possible, then I'm a big believer that ultimately if you're called to go somewhere else, it'll happen, you know. And um, and I think that's the way I believe tried to do it. And, and some people tell you maybe it's worked, some people tell you won't, but that's the way that I, I've tried to uh, invest in the young people that I've been around. 
you just made a joke, Coach, about you'll probably be fired soon. And I know you're joking there, but there's pressure to win. And I think a lot of guys, especially the head coaches, feel that pressure. Is there anything you that you do? Yeah, I, I know he does. He'll he'll have a bad Tuesday in the spring and he'll start throwing up. So what do you do to handle that? Is there, any th- is there anything you do to try to help with yourself deal with the pressure? Is there a perspective you have on it? Or is it is it pretty suffocating sometimes for you? Well, you know, I mean – it's challenging. You, you, in the pressure you get from that, it's really pressure on yourself to be try to give your best and, and put the best product out there. Uh, but I, I think you have to take into account is it's how you identify to football can't be who you are. It's what you do. And so to me, it's, it, it's, I can't make that a, my, my identity and I can't, can't be everything that I'm about can be about being a football coach. When I was younger, it was, we'd get beat and I'd come home, my wife, you know, I wouldn't talk to her for two days. You kick the dog. You not kick the dog. Don't take that wrong. <laughs> but, you know, you'd be so frustrated over a little loss that you wouldn't talk to your kids. You're so miserable because I was so wrapped up in my identity. Oh, I was being judged because we lost the game. And to me, your identity, for me, it's in faith. I, it's in my faith in Jesus. I got to make sure that's my foundation. And, and really, ultimately, he's the one that's put me here. And wherever he wants to do, whether, whether somebody, whether he wants to move me on, whether he keeps you there, whether somebody, you know, I'm not good enough. My identity's still on him, and he'll have the plan for me. And I try all the time because the higher level you go, the more pressure it is because there's more people with their hands in the candy jar. You know, there's more boosters. When I was at North Greenville, nobody really cared, <laughs> and we could do whatever and try to figure it out, you know, and it would be good. And then the higher level you go, more people concern a little bit, you know, and then and then there's – and so there's, there's just added pressure. And I can only imagine the pressure there in the, at the Power Fives with as much money and the people are involved in that. But if your identity is not rooted in who you are, what you do, it's more of who you are, then I do think there will, there will always be some pressure. But you'll understand that, hey, I, I'm doing this for a bigger purpose than just winning this game. It's about changing lives. Uh, and, it's to, and it's about trying to glorify him and the kingdom he has for me. And so I think if you remember that, yeah, there'll be pressure, but you'll never feel it to the point where uh, it's overwhelming because you'll know he's got you right where he wants to use you for the most. That's the way I try to do it. From my own experience, my first year as a head coach, the summer going into it, when Last Chance You came out on Netflix, the show, I would have to turn it off in the middle of it because it was stressing me out too much. Like, I just couldn't watch anymore. And I was just worried about just every little thing. You know, I knew we could be good, but you just don't know if the kids are going to do what they're supposed to do and all that stuff. We ended up being good, and we were fine. And so my next year, going into my second year, we had – Basically, our three best returning players ended up. We had two kids transfer, and we had another kid get in serious trouble off the field. Three best players. But that year, I had such a better perspective because I was honestly thinking, well, if we go 0-10, like, then that's all right because I still have my faith in Jesus, and he wants us to go 0-10, and something good will come out of it. If we go 10-0, and then something's good going to come out of that as long as it glorifies him. I mean, something, and so my perspective was so much better, and that just takes so much pressure. I mean, I'm about to coach out of place that's been to the last four straight state championship games. And so, but I have that same mindset where, I mean, I know that, you know, people definitely want us to win, but God's in control. And so if you have that mindset, it really takes a lot of that pressure off. Now, Jonathan just said, I'm still going to get, I still get (laughs) tight there at times, but... You know, but I think that want, that's... you want to do your best. You want to put your best foot forward because it is, it's you, it's you. Your name's on it. You know, that's no right. matter, no matter, no matter how good the offense does, if the defense stinks, it's on you still. You know, that's or right. vice versa. And so, 
but I, I do that perspective is what you got to have. I mean, I mean, think about the press you have coming up here Saturday for our seven on seven. I know, I know you're over, <laughs> over that. Right now. <laughs> I know our, our best, our ex receivers just went on vacation in Florida. I'm sitting there, our starting quarterback has got a baseball tournament. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Yeah, it's that's, that's pressure, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to play freaking Myrtle Beach yesterday with Luke Doty and everybody else in the world, uh, trying to figure out a way to beat them. We'll be doing that in the fall. Don't worry. It's it's stressful for all. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, coach. So tell us right here as we wind down, what good is happening at Coastal? What's some stuff going on right now? I know that there's a lot of excitement around Coastal Carolina going to be FBS. Tell the coaches out here what's good about Coastal, and uh, just tell us what y'all have going on now. Well, you did mention that this is this is our second year of. Of being a full-time member of FBS Sunbelt Conference. We're finishing our stadium. We took our stadium from 10,000 two years ago to over 21. It's going to be it's going to be a beautiful stadium. Obviously, you know where we're located down here, but I think more importantly about what we're doing here is what we talked about in this in this podcast is for our team and, and if, if, if you're recruiting a young man and, and what do they expect here? Our job as coaches here is to love and, and serve our players and we do everything we can to love them like our own. Now, loving them means you hold them accountable. You have a standard. But to, to invest in their lives, because what I believe is important is through the game of football is the lessons that are taught, values that are revealed, those are what last. Those are what's going to help that young man become a great husband, a great father, a great employer, those values. And we try to instill those every day. And one of the big things here that we do is I talked about belief. For us, belief we took the I out and we put a one in. And so when you, you said it's, it's our it's our theme, it's our mantra, believe, and we took the I out and put a one in there. And for us, it's one team, one family, one purpose. And the purpose for our team is to love their teammates. And when you do something because you love somebody, it means you sacrifice. That means you, uh, you put them before other people. And so the lessons that we'll teach at Coastal will be lifelong. And hopefully we'll win a few games along the way. That'd be great because uh, – because that pressure we talked about. <laughs> but most importantly, the job we do as coaches is preparing them for the 40 years after football, a life after football. And and we invest a lot into that here. And so if you're considering coach or if you're a high school coach, consider, you know, one of your players, there's a lot of things that a lot of people have a lot of different things. But I think what we stand for and our program, what the values that we're teaching uh, will be something that, you know, will will when they go back to your community, that would be something you'd be very proud about. Just four years can change your life. I know that they did for me. Four years can change your life. And the way that you treat your kids and that ripple effect is hundreds and thousands of people through generations. So that's important to have somebody that's want to invest in your kids in a way that's not just about winning games, but being successful in life and treating right. people well, yeah. doing all those things. But coach, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad that you, you took some time out of your day. I know you're busy. We thank you. I appreciate you. They've always told me I had a face for radio and podcast. So this is awesome. <laughs> so appreciate you guys very much. This is awesome what you're doing for coaches around the state of South Carolina. Uh, and we're more than happy to uh, be a part of this and anything we can do at Coastal Carolina to help you guys and, and help former players. Jonathan was a pretty good player. I don't know if he was as good as everybody told he was, but no, he was a good player. <laughs> Uh, just don't tell his dad that. So, uh, <laughs> appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. All right, Chad. It's 2015. Let's say you and Coach Chad will switch places. What do you tell your team before you play Alabama when you got Charleston Southern? Well, my career is going really well because I'm the head coach of Charleston Southern at 24. Um, that's a good 24. start. 
I was in 2015 oh, there, buddy. My bad, my bad, my bad. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a really hard one. I really don't think that I could have said what Coach Chadwell said. Like, which was. <laughs> we don't have a chance. <laughs> it was basically like, we could do, we could play our absolute best game. They could play their absolute worst game. And it's still probably not going to be good enough. Like, I just don't know if I could. I, I, I just don't think I could say that. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know what I'd say. I'd try to make career decisions to make sure that I'm never in that position. Um, but, I mean, that's just being honest. All right, um, let's do this. You're playing Dutch Fork this year. Tommy Knox yeah. is, uh, what are you going to tell your team before you all play Dutch Fork? If you don't know, Dutch Fork is a powerhouse in South Carolina. they got a coach that's won hundreds of ten, games. Ten state championships. Ten state championships or so. What the do you receiver just ran a four three one on a laser. <laughs> He's as fast as Deion Sanders. <laughs> Chad, what are you um, telling your team? In that specific situation, to me, yeah, I would say, realistic. yeah. I mean, I'd say, guys, we might not win the game. Let's go win. Like I would say, let's go try to win the first half. Why like, not win it? You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go win the first half. Obviously, since they have eight thousand players, they're eventually going to wear us out. Let's try to go win the first half. Let's play our absolute best and give ourselves a chance to to be there in the first half. Obviously, that still wouldn't be realistic, more than likely. But you, I I just don't know if I could say it myself. I mean, I just don't. I don't. He, he's that's probably an insecurity thing on my part. Yeah. What What would you do pregame, shaking hands with Nick Saban? Are you going to act like, hey, we're on the same level? Uh, how you doing, coach? Yeah. I mean, be- you got to do the too cool for school thing. I mean, coach. How's it going? Good luck this year. You know you got a good ball team, quarterback and throwing, huh? I wonder. I wonder if Nick Saban does coach coach talk. I wonder if he's like coach. How he, are he, you? He does. They all do. It's just we. It's just ingrained. It's in the DNA. What, what would you say? Where are you Get telling my, your offensive line that's got to block Alabama's D line? If you're Charles Southern's line, Get the job done. Get find it done or get somebody else in there. Find a way or we'll put the backup guy in. We'll put that backup freshman who's 30 pounds undersized. We'll get him in front of Marcel Darius, see if he can get it done if you don't want to. Because the reason you aren't getting it done is because you don't want to, son. <laughs> really, what would you say, though? Like, what? Like yeah. if you're a head coach, I mean, what's, are you going that same route that he went of we're just going to be up front and say what it is? I think I'm going to take the Custer's last stand approach. You're surrounded by the Native Americans. Uh, who was it? Sitting Bull? Is that who the crazy are? horse? I think crazy horse. Yeah, they have ten thousand warriors surrounding us, and we are we're, we're, we got about fifty guys. We are all going to die, and there is zero chance. I don't say it exactly like that, but I'm going to say, go out there and play your hardest. It's a it's an effort game, guys. We're going to go try hard tonight. I just want to see effort and let the results fall where they may, while everybody knows that. The I mean, I think the one good thing he said was talking about like. Just telling the kids, like, hey, this is a really, really – I just checked it. It's crazy horse. Really, really great opportunity. Like, I mean, you get to go play at Alabama. I mean, that's a cool experience. So, I do think that that would be – I definitely would say something like that and try to sort of get that part going. Like, win or lose, you're going to get to do something really cool. So, you might as well go out there and play your best and that kind of thing. I probably just would just not talk about results at all. Just be like, hey, let's just go play. I mean, you get to play at a cool stadium, do all that stuff, and you know, play your best and give it a shot. I mean, yeah, I think go try I mean. hard. That's all you can do when you're in the face of a definite loss, which I think a lot of high school coaches have those feelings too, because you know you're going against a, a superior opponent. So yeah, sometimes you yeah. have to give those speeches, and you really can't say we're going to win. It happens. No, yeah, I definitely wouldn't lie. 
I don't think yeah. you should lie. I mean, that's the big thing. I think uh, Coach Kimmery talked about that. Don't lie to your players. They'll be able to see through that every time. Yeah, Chad, so we got another coach cliche for this week. You're having a bad practice. Your player does something wrong. Maybe he isn't giving effort. And you say, it's probably said across high school fields all across the country and college fields, if you don't want to be here, leave. Chad, does that help you win? Does it this, matter? This is the first one that we've done that I've done plenty. Mar- <laughs> well, I say plenty, but multiple times. Are you um, doing it, though? Is it a conscious I'm saying this. Yeah, I'm consciously saying it. Like I'm, I've, I've said it to kids, and again, it's not a lot. But I know I just got a specific kid in my my mind that did it last year. He's starting tight end and starting defensive end. He wasn't our best player. He was a good player. He was a senior um, and was actually a pretty good leader and all that stuff. So I probably jumped on him earlier than I should because he did do a lot of good things. But yeah, I mean, I meant what I said. And like he turned around and walked off too. Like he was going. Like he was like, okay, fine. Like okay, I don't want to be here. So and and one of the other players, a couple other guys, like ran and got him and like talked him into coming back, which is I don't know, kind of good almost. I'd like to see that. But yeah, I mean, I meant it when I said it. I mean, I think that I'm not saying I should have said it, but yeah, it's probably not the last time I'm gonna say it either. You did mean it. Yeah, I definitely meant it, and I'm probably I'm sure I'll probably do it again. So what if you say that? You, you I, I get the sense that you feel like nobody should ever say this. I don't care. You can say it if you want to. It don't make a difference to me. I don't really say I'm it. Saying, would you? Would you? I know you wouldn't now. Right. I don't know. I may say it. I'd have to put, be in that situation. I think I've heard it too, though, in the context of like an entire team. Like when I was a player, I just remember people maybe saying things like, "If y'all don't want to be here, leave." So. You're really okay with your entire team leaving the practice field? Like, is, is that on a cool? Tuesday, like, we're gonna, <laughs> you're just going to let them come back on Wednesday and we're going to play on Friday? Yeah, look, y'all just go, okay. Like, everybody starts walking off the field. Oh, shoot, they called my bluff. Do you think that a lot of coaches that say that, do you think they mean it? No, in the team context, they definitely don't mean it. No, <laughs> oh, wait, come back. It's a mass exodus. No, I'll make it easier. We won't run sprints today. I think that the, the biggest thing is – You've got to, I don't know. I mean, to me, I do actually believe and hold kids to a standard. Like, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, like, I actually do want you to leave. Like, that is accurate to me. I guess my question then is, if you're the head coach, why don't you tell them to leave if you want them to leave? Why are you giving them the option? Is it like you're trying to see, do you want to be? Are you actually seriously like, okay, maybe you don't want to be here, so go. Like, if you want to stay, then that's cool. Well, I mean, I think that it's just implied, like, you are going to start doing this differently than what you're doing now to continue to stay. Or you're, I mean, it's almost just like putting, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's implied with that. I do think that I'm sure it gets said plenty of times where people don't actually believe it. I think that it's something that, is said a lot where it's like hopefully it's a wake-up call but if the players actually did just start mass exodusing that would be panic time for the for the coach that said it yeah so players taking you up on what you actually say uh what do you mean what you say i think that that say that coach's cliche has a lot of uh a lot of people say it and they don't necessarily mean it it's one of those things we say as coaches but Chad, you said you actually do mean it. So I guess for you, it does matter, and it does. Happen. I don't say it to the whole team, though. I think that's the big like difference here. Like I wouldn't say that to the whole team, but I have said it and have actually meant it. Like if you don't like what I'm saying, then I do want you to walk off. 
and not come back. Obviously, I mean, I I would never tell a kid that that like this wasn't the end of our relationship, or not relationship, but this wasn't your the end of your position in this program. Like I wouldn't just say it in passing, but yeah, I mean, I definitely have meant it. So for everybody out there listening, and if if we come up with these cl- coach cliches of the week, and it's something you say, and we bash it, we say it sometimes too. So like, don't be mad. And speaking of that, guys. If you have anything you want to comment on, if you want to contact us, if you want to have a question, if you would like to propose like a topic for us to talk about, you can always email us, and that would be at the thecoachesdrive at gmail.com. So thecoachesdrive at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as well. You can follow us on Twitter. You can get up with us on Twitter. Uh, we followed a lot of coaches across the country, but if you follow us, we are at Coaches Drive. You can ask us questions. You can disagree with us. Heck, we'd love for you to disagree with us. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think uh, a good coach's cliche would be, something that you've heard a lot. But we've got a YouTube channel. If you want to see us on YouTube, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. I think that was a good podcast with Coach Chadwell. Chad, you got anything else, man? I think one thing I do want to say about that whole thing is like, we obviously we're doing this because it gives us an avenue to talk to these people to also make us better coaches. We're both 27. You're still 27, right? Yeah. 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 Like we're both 27. I mean, I have been a head coach for a little bit. I'm going on my third year. Um, And you know, you've been a position coach. We've been in good programs and stuff, but like, obviously we know that we don't know we don't come close to knowing anything this is an avenue for us to get better and we just sort of want to be the medium that coaches out there can can get the same kind of information that we can get i think that our value we're not conceited enough to think that you're going to tune in every week to listen to us freaking talk about football there's a whole lot of people who have way better resumes than what we have i think what our resource is is connections and sort of the ability to get people to come talk to us on in this kind of platform. So we want y'all to engage with us and tell us what you want. If you, if there's a guest that you think would be a good guest, that there's questions you think would be good. If you think doing something different on the podcast, whatever it is, we're doing this to help coaches. And we understand that it's not like, we definitely don't know what, you know, we're just coming. I mean, we're just trying to talk to coaches. I mean, that's really what it is. And just trying to talk about football. Um, so if there's anything out there that y'all want to see or actually want to hear that is different than what we're doing, if you know, a guest is coming on in the future that you want us to ask a specific question to or cover a specific topic, please, please let us know. This is for y'all truly. So yeah, definitely do that. Take us up on that. Reach out to us guys. Thanks for listening.